0: Hello, Lisa. How are you?
1: I'm really well, thank you, Mark. I'm a little bit full of cold, but it's definitely not COVID. I've been swapped,
0: oh, um, and I'm all
1: good. How are you doing, Mark? It's been a while since we spoke.
0: Yes, it has. Uh, everything's really good. Um, keeping very busy. Work has been, fortunately, I've certainly been picking up since uh, since the beginning of COVID. I think we spoke about in our last podcast. The first few months when we went into lockdown were very quiet. Um, was, I think generally within our industries, lots of agencies were closing down, um, contractors and having their teams work remotely. Um, but no, certainly the last couple of months things have picked up, so which is great. And how about you work wise?
1: Yeah, definitely here in Sydney things are picking up and it's very much a case of there are some that are absolutely anyone who's got food or beverages based brands are doing really well obviously because it's one area that's still growing Um, but yes if i'm completely honest sydney in general we are not in lockdown and things are remarkably getting back to normal um we've had something like i don't know in the last month we've had about seven cases um so it all feels freakishly normal um i don't know if i like it but um (laughs) but it's nice to have work and and you know those kind of um, people out and about and things again and the world's sort of feeling a little bit more and I know in contrast you guys are sort of a little bit second wave and back in lockdown and things.
0: Yeah, very briefly, I think the country there are lots of discussions about potentially going into another national lockdown there's regional lockdowns in different cities one of our previous cities at least, Nottingham, that's gone into lockdown so talk about London potentially um, locking down, certain parts of London have, have when we say lockdown, there's restricted movements and restricted sort of people meeting up and certain businesses are having to close
1: europe as well is um is a little bit crazy over there i definitely know that i know some of the agencies that you and i both work with um have been opening up to different cities to work with because the cities that they're based in are quite closed down
0: yes they're yeah, very much so this is quite a nice way to work actually so if you're in that position where you have those sites across the world and you can sort of start shuffling projects from studio to studio it's a great place to be in so what types of projects you've been uh, working on
1: I've actually been, until this, until this week, I've been absolutely really smashed um, work-wise. So I've been helping out with a big rebrand brand strategy and repositioning for a protein-based company that are looking to launch into the US and potentially European markets. So that's been a huge project that's been ongoing for a few weeks, um, or a few months actually with them. Um, initially, they were just looking at a packaging redesign, and in the end, we have gone with a full brand strategy. But really great people. And I've actually been going into their studio to work with them and kind of absorb the atmosphere and the marketing team as well. So that's kept me really busy for the last few weeks. Um, I've been running a few webinars as well on bravery and resilience um, for freelancers, entrepreneurs and startups. Um, And I'm doing a talk in a couple of weeks, if anyone is interested, have a look on General Assembly on making the move from design to strategy or how the two are interlinked. Um, So yeah, it's actually been been a really busy few weeks. This week's been a lot quieter, but I've been struck down with a cold. Um, so actually, you know, these things are
0: sent for a reason. Yeah. What about you, Mark? Yeah, exactly. Well, just very quickly, Liz, what we'll do is we'll put some links to those um, webinars that you've been doing and to the, the show notes at the end of this. So uh, at least people can access them and they can sort of find out a little bit more about what you've been up to. So in terms of the projects I've been working on, uh, quite similar to you, actually, the last few weeks have been sort of hectic. We I mean, work on some sort of lovely wine projects for the wine company I work for um, for a couple of days a week, just doing sort of sort of creative work and a little bit of strategy work and studio development stuff. And then for some other um, bigger agencies, doing some beer projects, um, some lovely limited edition beers, which are always great to work on because there's no holds barred on the creative side when you start working on MPD and um, limited edition stuff. Um, All of which are really cool and they sort of lead us quite nicely into the subject we're sort of going to be talking on in a bit today, which is going to be focused on our sort of future food trends. Um, Really cool stuff. And just very quickly and on a personal note on what I've been up to, um, again, adapting to the new life of working from home um, and with a baby now, toddler, screaming around the house. It sort of presents its challenges (laughs) when uh, trying to concentrate (laughs) on certain things.
1: not got the little guy designing just yet.
0: Not yet. Although he's developing his sort of uh, hand-eye coordination and drawing skills. But um, yeah, we'll be some time, some way off yet until I can start proposing those as uh, sort of concepts for clients. Um, and it, here's an interesting one. We're looking to move soon, actually. We're looking to move from London to um, Devon, um, down in the southwest of England.
1: And is that, is that easy in the UK? Because we can't even move between states here. So um, I'm assuming um, we'll let you move. Well, you don't ask for a pardon from the Queen or anything?
0: Well, if I get arrested doing it, I'll get arrested doing it. We don't know yet, I think. We're still in the early days of sort of negotiations on properties and what have you. So we don't know. Moving would like to be early next year, actually, sort of shuffling from one place to the next. Um, The reason is just a lifestyle choice more than anything. Just making that move now. Um, And also wanted to bring up the little man in in the countryside, as opposed to down in the sort of middle of the city.
1: Awesome.
0: Exciting. Uh, yeah, it is quite cool, actually. I'm looking forward to I think one of the other challenges you have to move into the countryside um, is certainly from our, our perspective, where we rely on internet access uh, and being able to get decent internet speeds. When you're living in the country, you really have to, you forego a little bit of internet speed. Um, so that's one of the most important things, I guess, in the, the choices we're looking at, is making sure the property we get or look, look at um, actually, has access to because sometimes it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. If you're in a bad area, you're in a bad area, and you you, you have to wait until one of the major phone companies actually either lays down cables in that area.
1: All of these are real problems.
0: Uh, exactly, but that's how we make our income. It's how we make our living. So it's important.
1: Definitely, we're not going to have you traveling to London just to do a podcast every four weeks, are we? <laughs> that's not productive. <laughs>
0: or just have to walk up to the top of the hill so I get some phone reception. <laughs> no and then the other thing as well which i think we'll discuss on at the end of this is that we've obviously you and i have uh, been chatting over the last couple of weeks and we're looking to present ourselves a little bit of a challenge so it's a nutritional challenge uh, but we'll discuss that in a bit so i've been prepping for that really and just trying to teach and understand a bit more about um what's required of me in this particular that challenge yeah um I
1: think you might upset, so at least, you might upset a few people with the challenge, but um let's see how we go. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, people and animals, maybe. But um, and so moving on then. So for today's topic, um, which I, this is brilliant, and, and it's something that's very close to both your heart and mine. Um, and so many excited people, about
1: doing this one.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this we're we're going to be talking about future food trends. So, at least I'll let you sort of kick off really because we've, there's so much we can talk about here and it's something that i guess we like most of our podcasts we could talk for hours on all the subjects
1: and i definitely think look we've done one in the past on free from foods it was a good two or three years ago now um and i think it was when i was back in the uk but first let's do the what is a consumer trend it is not a fad it is not a passing fleeting moment it's something that is a manifestation amongst consumer behavior um, and it's based on external influences. It's a shifting behavior. They evolve, they grow. They don't just kind of come and go. So I think it's important to understand what a food a food trend is, or a trend in general, before we move on to the food part of it. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to talk food-based trends because as someone who, for the however many years of my life in the past, used to live only on cereal, and now is a bit of a nutritional nerd, thanks to you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But let's just explain that. When you say thanks to me, because Lisa and I used to work together um, some time ago when I was in Sydney, and uh, I was always uh, fanatic about the gym and used to really concentrate heavily, not just on my own exercise, but also what I ate. And I think Lisa found it sort of quite intriguing.
1: Well, I think you were the guy who used to go down to the Thai takeaway every night when we were working late and have steamed chicken and steamed vegetables. And as someone who at the time was small, skinny, active, but only ever ate cereal to keep me going pretty much, like I didn't have a very diverse diet, um, but yeah, you kind of got me involved in like, maybe you should try the gym or what about this? And I guess, yeah, through intrigue and everything, and then consequently through burning out a few times, um, we're now both nutrition nerds and a little bit gym, a bit gym junkies as well.
0: So i mean i'm really keen to jump straight into at least if i'm honest i guess i'll ask you the question first and then i'll I'll sort of answer answer it myself too but in terms of your own let's call it bubble because bubble is one of the words at the moment Uh, in terms of your own bubble now uh, what are you seeing immediately within your sort of surroundings in terms of uh, food trends that are having an impact
1: well i think Obviously, there's a few macro trends that filter down into the smaller trends. And there's a few that we highlighted. Um, so some of the macro trends are snackification. Um, that's a trend that comes from the fact that, especially during this pandemic, we're spending a lot more time at home. And so there's a lot more grazing going on and people are looking for different types of years ago, you grab a bag of chips. So now the different types of snacking options um, are opening up Yeah, chips, crisps, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I've lived here too long. But yeah, so people are looking to different kind of options when it comes to snacking, which opens up a great door in terms of the world and the brand world that we work in, in terms of innovation that's coming on in that space. And there's loads already. And from that, we will start to dip into some of the, I mean, I've been adapted paleo for at least five years now, six years. So that was, at the time I did it, it was like, what's paleo? Whereas now there's paleo, there's keto, there's plant-based. There's so many different types of diets that spin off from. And snackification is a macro trend, sustainability as well. So a lot of the ones we're going to talk about come from a position of sustainability. And you and I have talked about that in terms of sustainability from a save the planet point of view. But I think there's also an aspect of that that's about well-being and preservation of your own body and your own health. So there's a sustainability of you as well as the world and the earth around us. And even in terms of things like um, naturally functional, so we're learning a lot more about the gut health connection, Um, So people are demanding more from food in general, I suppose. Um, And what about your experience, Mark? Because I know you kind of don't like to put yourself in boxes.
0: (laughs) Well, I try not to, but unfortunately, um, I I do get placed in those. So in terms of what's happening within my little bubble, um, working from home as such and not necessarily out and about and experiencing and listening and understanding what other people are actually up to. But my little world of going to the gym when it's open and of course, the other one, which is sort of quite close to my heart at the moment, is baby foods. Um, but so sort of in terms of me, I think what I'm seeing is a large or a big drive towards grass-fed meat is becoming a big, a big issue for a lot of people. Sort of, I think it's been termed as conscious consuming. So when we're talking about functional foods, um, this conscious consuming is another sort of, a sort of attachment to that. So when we talk grass-fed, we mean pasture-fed. And these are animals which are sort of, let's say, wandering around in the fields, eating grass and wildflowers. And clovers and things like that and all these products are allowed the animals once they're sort of ready to be eaten are uh, they rich in essential vitamins and minerals untainted by chemicals and pesticides from sort of the industrial farming so that's one thing i find it's intriguing it's the grass fed um meats um certainly i'm keen to sort of push that a bit further and I, i'm i'm very much against large scale industrial farming like most of us are and i think it must be stressed that in the u k we are not a strong it 's not the way in which we farm for ninety nine percent of the time we 're not intensive farmers um, I come from a farming family we have farms in the in the family, so I fully understand how the animals uh, behave and how they 're treated and uh, how the neighboring farms farm their product um and it's not intensive um so yes, yeah, so without getting too much into the sort of the the grass as such i 'm um, grass fed meat I think is great um a little like you've just touched on as well is people adapting diets so as as you've just said before so paleo and I think we mentioned on the call before someone one of your contacts was keto paleo so they're combining diets so people are actually managing to sort of pick a a, a diet format and then adapt it to their own requirements and needs would you agree with that Liz you've seen that too
1: I would and I think look I mean look living in Sydney like it's a huge food culture over here it's very much a socializing aspect of food Um, and I know that for, for and the same in the UK and definitely in London like there are different reasons why people consume food but I think that those reasons have shifted and changed so also as well because we've been working from home or people who haven't even been working there's been a lot more exposure there's a lot more time to learn and understand about foods and the one thing that I suppose um, food generally is your go to in terms of if people are looking for a treat or a pick me up, even if it's a healthy version of a, of a treat, um, then food is the go to, isn't it? Like you can't at the moment during the pandemic, a lot of people can't necessarily or they're watching budgets can't afford to perhaps buy a new car. But perhaps you can indulge in something, whether it's a takeaway meal or whether it's just something that you can. A lot of people are cooking at home as well. So we've seen a huge rise in the cook from home culture the meal kits the boxes that you kind of bring into the home and actually it's probably been a really good time for people to learn about food and about nutrition and yeah so consequently they're learning about the different types of diet about paleo about keto and definitely plant-based is ever on the rise here what used to be a whole like tiny little section in a supermarket is now massively growing as a category as is well and also we're seeing things like we're not seeing it on the shelves yet but the thing that really fascinates me is the whole lab grown cultures. Um, there's a company in China as well, I think it's called Just Eat, and they're starting to train um, chefs in terms of vegan cooking. And so there's all sorts of innovation going on that's that really exciting from a food point of view. Um, and when you
0: say lab gr- grown cultures, Lise, are we referring to lab grown meat? Well, do you there's mean- meat,
1: but there's also a company also looking to grow eggs as well in the lab. <laughs> I know, oh, wow. it's a little bit crazy. Well,
0: eggs.
1: Yeah. So, any, effectively, I guess anything that you can put in a lab um, or that you can recreate through any sort of cell culture, you're really just duplicating the cells. And I know I was a bit, for a while, I was a bit like, oh, I, I know I, if you tell your mom and dad about it, like I tell my mom, and she's like, well, I don't know if I like the idea of something being grown in a lab. And you go, well, <laughs> yeah, like, test yeah. two babies are grown in a lab. Um, but you're quite happy to eat something that slayed from a field that's been pumped full of hormones. So yeah. <laughs> there's a bit <laughs> of a, I think it's just that, that shift. And I don't know if you, um, one of the articles that I shared with you, there was a, um, a statistic in it to say that millennials are most likely to define healthy eating in the more practical ways, whereas older generations are about health maintenance. So they would shift and pivot the way that they eat through health maintenance. And actually, like I mean, my background is like my my mom taught me, like you know, vegetables. Like she came from a farm as well. Um, and so, you know, taught you about healthy eating. I think this, the rebel in me probably defied it and decided that cereal and Cheerios was the way to go. Um,
0: <laughs> well, it's that post-Second World War thinking, isn't it, of meat and two veg. And I think that is still still drill down into sort of a couple of generations after the Second World War. So people still un- still like to think they have a basic knowledge of nutrition. And if that involves just making sure that you're consuming, you know, your s- sustenance, staple diet of a bit of meat and a bit of vegetables, you're good.
1: Yeah, and look, I mean, look in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, we're going to talk about some of the exciting food trends and, you know, nutraceuticals or gut health and stuff. But actually in the middle of the pandemic, there's a lot of people who won't have access or be able to afford those kind of luxuries, like I know you and I are going to talk a bit more about the, the November challenge, but actually doing some of the research for that, it, it can add up like cost wise eating into any of these diets and lifestyles. So you've actually got to work out not just what's better for you health wise, but also like what's cost effective right now.
0: Absolutely. There is sometimes there is a choice and you have ethically sourced products, not just meat, of course, versus the cost. And some people, certainly at the moment, with the limits, limits there are within people being able to go to work and to a certain extent limitations on people's income, people are assessing their own budgets and sometimes people don't have their only choices to choose the cheaper option, which isn't always the, the most ethical uh, of food choices, but nonetheless they've got to feed. They've got to feed their families, they've got to feed themselves. And so to a certain extent, one could argue that the, the diet that we're referring to here. Sometimes people have no choice. It's just a case that they eat what they can get hold of um, and what's within their budget.
1: And we're talking about it quite a lot from a um, health point of view, but actually some of the diets aren't necessarily. Well, you can go either way, can't it? I mean, let's talk about let's talk about a few of the key diets that we've kind of pulled out and things. So if we talk about things like vegan years ago used to be quite not elitist, but it used to be quite on trend within certain categories of people there was less awareness of it and actually now you've got I mean Galaxy are launching a vegan chocolate KFC all of the big brands are starting to do vegan and they'd be stupid not to because it's a huge growing trend and that is a trend and that comes from a position of like we were talking before about macro trends is sustainability and then also rippling through that you've probably even got like things like the fragmentation and the snackification trends coming through Um, but ultimately they've spotted something that's from the you know from the awareness of the planet and the life around us that we can't do what we've always done we've got to start making changes people are eating less meat people are going vegan they're being kinder to animals and, the, and to kind of fight back against the treatment of them so actually that's a consumer trend that is it's massive now um and i'm i know it's massive there as well as it is here um so the whole plant-based um is a huge trend and it seems to have taken over i don't know if it's the same there but here it's taken over Gluten free. So we used to have free from gluten free and things like that. It seems that plant-based has taken over that here. I had a bit of a rant about that recently on a forum because of, even people like Starbucks are replacing all of their gluten-free food with plant-based food, but it has gluten in. So it might not have dairy in and it might be for right. So okay. actually there's quite a lot of things at the minute. I know a brand I talk about a lot, you and I have talked about it on here as Halo Top. Being, I just love what they do. I think their brand positioning and their purpose and everything about them, their design is so clean, so simple. I don't know exactly what they stand for, but they've replaced here in Australia, all of their dairy free range with, it's still, it's plant-based, but it has oats. So it's made of oats, tastes better, oat milk, better for you. But oats in Australia can't be certified gluten-free or a lot of them aren't.
0: Yes. So true, more, yeah.
1: they can't guarantee. It's, well, it's
0: because of where they're farmed, isn't it? Yeah. It there can be contamin- cross-contamination with other products.
1: Yep. Yeah. So there's a few that it's unlikely there's gluten in them, but if you're a celiac, you can't take that risk. And so it's sort of, it seems that that's a, it's a shift for me that is arguably, well, how how do we find a balance?
0: It is tricky. It is tricky. And uh, I I think if you were to compare you and I in terms of what about, I guess, drive to these particular diets is I'm quite old school in the the respect that food has always been functional to me. Um, and so whatever i consume i had to make sure that that's going to allow me to perform better be it in the gym on a rugby pitch um, even in a work capacity so uh, you know mentally am i in a right the right state i don't want to be feel fatigued or drowsy or or any of those sorts of feelings it's got i've got to be able to perform optimally and that's the way in which i treat my sort of food intake um, and it, i know you're the same in that respect but
1: I used to be, um, I used to not really see food as anything, to be honest. It was just like, I never, I'm someone who I never used to get hungry. And so that's why I used to do the cereal thing. Cause after a busy day, it was just something to snack on. It was just, uh, it wasn't even, and then only when I actually burnt out and realized that cereal is not enough to fuel you and to make you healthy and well. So only when I crashed and burned, did I realize the value of nutrition? So actually I kind of, I'm someone who I had to fall. Like I've not been, um, it was just it was it was some an inconvenience for me, actually, probably food before. Like I just wanted to get on with life and, and not bother about it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so like we all have our own journey. But whereas now, like it's food is, like I said, like over five, six years ago now I went adapted paleo when I broke a bone and realized that I damaged my bones, I had a time to turn it round So that's when it becomes all right. Knowledge is power. What can I learn about food and nutrition? And it's all about being a bigger, better or just a stronger version of me mind and body i suppose that's bit that's been the interesting thing for me over the few years how how we've learned so much more about gut health and how we can make that link between the um gut and the brain connection is fascinating and i think that's a really exciting area for anyone in innovation nutraceuticals the company i've been working with um with the protein guys like they're looking at nutraceuticals and all sorts of different innovations. It was great to work with them. They were just fantastic.
0: Explain to me what new, new say the word again. Sorry, nutraceuticals. Nutraceuticals. That's pharmaceuticals, but nutraceuticals kind of thing. What is it? What is? It? Is this nootropics? Uh, is, um, is this food that affects the brain?
1: Yes. Yes. And so, obviously, in some countries, you've seen um, the way that they're introducing cannabis. See um, C- or CBD. So smart drugs, There's certain types of enhancers, but ones that are more natural. To um, to improve your brain function, I suppose, and motivation, and, and the way you can kind of, yeah, adap- I mean, look, traditionally um, Chinese medicine and things uses adaptogen herbs in nootropics and nutraceuticals, and that's the way of doing it. So it's not your old style Western medical and pharmaceuticals. It's using adaptogenic herbs from ancient times and their effect on the body and functions. And you know, I'm massively into the whole um, Chinese medicine anyway. So I think I think it's fascinating that. I mean, it comes from a plant-based source as well. So it's just Chinese herbs are plant-based sources and their effects on the body before we had all the Western medicine that we had. So yeah, um, nutraceuticals and nootropics.
0: Do you mind, this well, I mean, I love this as a subject. It's something that certainly recently has become quite a, the CBD. Now, I, I think this is certainly another big future food trend that um, it has been around for some time, but now because of the certain, I guess, legal walls, for want of a better phrase, are sort of starting to lower somewhat so certain states in the us for example are allowing um people to be able to sort of use cbd or cannabinoid cannabido- oil, i think so how you say it which is essentially is a non-psychedelic cannabis plant extract if you like um which is being infused into food and this is it's there is evidence to say that it's it's um reduces inflammation but that said and i know this is a big thing right now but there are claims that it sort of works and then can help with insomnia, um, depression, anxiety, um, even cancer. But there's no hard evidence to support these benefits. Only anecdotal.
1: There's not. And I would, argue, I would argue as well that, I mean, look, I've, um, like in terms of anxiety and stuff like that, it definitely has beneficial effects on, or like I've trialed it on my mum when I left the UK. But,
0: okay, explain. When <laughs> and, you say you trialed um, on your mum, what did you do to your mum?
1: Uh, so I've got my mom some CBD oil um because she suffers occasionally with anxiety and things and definitely in terms of a calmer state it's definitely it's definitely helped with sleep and in terms of calming to take that every day but also I'm also a believer in if you believe something is working potentially it's working so I think there's that whole mind over matter um as opposed to something like one of the, I mean, one of the, another um, performance enhancer in nootropics is caffeine. And that's been used for years. And that, that's clearly a, well, is it a performance enhancer? No, well, but it can kind of, it's a stimulant. Yeah, I mean, it's a stimulant. So, yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, even down to things like you would have used this years ago, creatine. Um, but there's also more natural stuff like ginkgo biloba and ginseng. Like I use ginkgo biloba in the winter because it helps with circulation. So there are certain nootropics that are being added into everyday formulas and foods now. They would probably before you'd have to take a little supplement, wouldn't you, from a like you showed me a little vitamin D bottle, didn't you, before our chat? So you previously people would previously have to take them like that. Well, there's so many of those on the market. But actually now, if people can integrate it into a food, then there's a different level of innovation that becomes a it becomes enjoyment, doesn't it? Because traditionally food is partly enjoyment as well as, you know, the functional benefits of it. So I think nootropics is a really interesting area.
0: Yes, massively. And of course, the other one which I touched on before, which certainly is a subject which has been close to me of late, is baby foods. And very quickly, the trends that I'm seeing in baby foods, one of those which um, I was seeing last year, when I happened to be working with some big baby brands, um, they were very keen on suggesting and marketing themselves as having an contents of their products being um, omega-based vitamins and what have you and DHA was one which is all about the brain development brain development of children so um, you know a lot of it's for it's really strange but I used to feel that it's neurotic mothers who are worried about their sort of kids not being up to par with other kids anything that gives them that advantage and feeding them powdered milk that has brain development potential in it they're up for it And it's surprisingly that most of these brands will sort of promote themselves for that very reason.
1: It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because ultimately you've got the parents of the ones that are buying it. I worked on a few in China as well. And yeah, very much for that. If you can promote that it's got a brain formula or, you know, a boosting your brain and development formula. Like, yeah, again, you're selling it to the moms, you're not selling it to the kids. And if you can put that reassurance in their mind.
0: It is, totally. And even what you've just touched on there, I find fascinating, is um, certainly within the baby foods, in terms of trends, um, the obviously brain development is really important. I don't know whether nootropics or nutraceuticals have been included in baby foods just yet. But for, in terms of healthier snacking, so whereas the adult market has had things like rice cakes and puffed snacks, you know tucked away for us to be able to snack on whenever we need those sorts of snacks are extremely prevalent now and only growing in the sort of the baby food sections
1: yep and i wonder do you know what based on what we're going to talk about and some of the diets in terms of like the diet you're going to take on for november and the challenge i'm going to take on for november i wonder if over time we'll have the kind of studies and science that shows the effects of those diets on a younger brain because i mean look we're going to talk about we're going to we'll talk about it now we'll talk about paleo and keto and carnivore some of the diets as well as the vegan and, and plant-based like some of those things that are reducing say carbohydrates has been shown that it can help your brain performance there are people doing intermittent fasting so i guess over time and studies they'll start doing that on on younger ages
0: yeah true and let's be honest fad diets have been around for an awful long time i mean you can there is evidence to suggest that even in victoria times there were certain food products that are being promoted as being healthy and others of which you know they were you were asked I guess or at least were you had limited access to so access to things like um, exotic fruits bananas oranges and what have you weren't necessarily available but nowadays we understand that we also know over years gone by that it's all about experience a balanced diet and some of these extreme diets aren't necessarily a diet which you want to do for a long period of time, you trial them to see how your body reacts. And sometimes it's it's part of, we talk about these elimination diets, where people want to understand they're eating certain foods that may not necessarily um, be good for their bodies. And so this is having a negative impact. They don't know what foods they are. So they reduce their food intake to strip it right back to the basic food groups, and then start to reintroduce these foods to try and understand what it is and which food is having an effect on them. Which is great to many, many states. So, these diets which we're talking about now are, um, you know, not necessarily diets which you want to be doing for a lifetime. They are sometimes just for a, p- a short period of time.
1: I think it depends on the person, doesn't it? And working out what your deal break is and what works for you. And ultimately, the name diet in itself is horrible. Um, so, like, you, like I've been, I did autoimmune paleo to work out what my triggers and stuff were and to get back on a health kind of cycle and understand what foods worked and what didn't work for me. But at the time it wasn't, like I said, I would do it for 30 days. And then beyond that, actually it worked so well, I kept doing it and I slowly introduced certain foods based on from the autoimmune paleo. But there are some foods that I've never reintroduced because they just, I feel better without them. So I think rather than call it a diet, it becomes a lifestyle. I understand not everyone is as an all or nothing person like me. So if it's gonna you're gonna do it, I'm not someone who will go out and just kind of eat a burger and fries on a weekend because it really doesn't make me feel like I don't enjoy that. Like that's not a that's not fun for me. Um, maybe an ice cream, but. You know, So I think it's working out what works for you. And obviously there are some people who will have allergies and intolerances and things that they have to avoid. But also you and I are both big advocates of you have to try and figure out what works for you. Like, I think you can make yourself too immune to things. Um, and that was the whole, like, if you're not technically celiac, should you really be avoiding gluten? There's a really nice, interesting debate to have on another show in another, probably not on a brand-based podcast. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, those kind of uh, questions as to are we doing ourselves more damage by avoiding everything than if we just added it, added it all in because we'd become more more exposed to it. You know, as a kid, you grew up eating dirt on the floor and kind of done all right now.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know where you were brought up, Lisa. I wasn't always. It wasn't just dirt. There was some meat in there somewhere and
1: vegetables. <laughs> always had to have meat with you involved. Yeah, yeah it? true, true, true. <laughs> um,
0: i tell you what, Lisa, what I think would be really useful is... We discuss, we're sort of dropping these sort of diet names in. And if I'm honest, sometimes I get a little bit confused. So if we can just run through the top few diets, which we, um, we hear about. Do some about.
1: definitions. Yeah, just yeah, a very quick fire, And you're good at
0: this, Lizzie. So first off, keto. What's keto. What is a keto diet?
1: So keto is where you severely reduce your carbohydrates and up your fats. And the idea is to put your body into a state of what's called ketosis, where it's a fat burning state. It's been shown. I don't want to I don't want to make any sort of health claims based on it because I I haven't done it properly yet. Um, but it, it's been used by quite a few people with epilepsy um, to help the fats kind of help the brain somehow. Um, it's not meant to be used as a long term diet, but it is it quite helpful for people with things like insulin resistance and stuff like that Um, because you don't you don't take in any sugars and that we all one thing we do all know is that excess sugar is bad for us like i think i don't think anyone can argue the fact that you know and now we're having a um, different versions of sugar i mean monk fruit is a version of sugar now that's better for you and good for you so i think none of us could argue really that sugar is not good for our body in excess okay
0: okay so that's keto and what about paleo
1: so paleo is, most people know this, is how the cavemen used to eat. So everything in its whole food form. So it's not necessarily you kind of can't eat things. Um, you don't eat any complex or packaged food, I suppose. So it's not, it's meat, it's eggs. It's, you don't generally, well, I did it and I didn't eat dairy. Um, but it doesn't omit dairy. But you wouldn't eat, and you wouldn't eat things like rice. You wouldn't eat, strict paleo wouldn't eat lentils necessarily. So like the cavemen used to eat.
0: And then now let's just define simply um, a vegan diet.
1: Oh, so that emits all animal-based products or anything that has been tested, tried or used on animals.
0: Okay. Um, and then obviously a carnivore diet.
1: I think you're the best to answer that one, Mark.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's, it's, it's it it quite simple. In, in, yeah, exactly. That is just primarily a meat diet only. Um, and you eat. You don't even include, for the strictest of carnivores, um, they wouldn't even have any vegetable intake at all. It's just purely their whole nutritional intake is wholly from meat and water. Um, and then vegetarian?
1: So vegetarian is just, a, I suppose, a lower grade of vegan, where you can still eat, um, you just don't eat meat, but you would perhaps have right. um, dairy.
0: Because there's a cross of a crossover, the, the vegetarian world became vegan, and then the vegan now has sort of spread into there's so m- I think what I'm trying to do here I guess is just for anyone sort of when we're dropping these sort of diet names into our conversations I don't want people to be lost because I get lost sometimes because there's so many of them and when we start to cross over you have hybrid diets of um what was that one before you said v- vegan keto yeah that's when kind it of gets very confusing <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's probably like, Do you know what like the person that I spoke to said that they sometimes did five-day fasts and I think just by how restricted you are on what you can eat, it's probably just easier just to not eat, and maybe that's why it's easy to do a five day fast look, I've been dipping into keto a little bit, but um yeah, you kind of go, okay, like is it worth making all the things that you can eat? maybe not um, but uh, look from a packaging design point of view and from a design point of view, a lot of these are um quite important in terms of like how we navigate a design or a brand even. So, you know, like I spoke to you about Halo Top. Like, actually, they're starting to become known as, as more, because they do, they now do here, they do more plant-based flavours than dairy-based flavours, I think. So this shift starts to change. They start to get known for being the, they're vegan friendly or whatever, because compared to the other ones, they are. There's actually even, um, and I talk about ice cream just because it's my go-to topic. So I've been eating coconut-based ice cream. Uh, yeah, so
0: else. just to tell us what Halo Top is, least because Halo Top, I don't know if it's in the UK, but...
1: It's... It is, uh, it is in the UK. Um, I think it's bigger in the UK than in Australia, but it's an American brand. And they set out as their purpose and their proposition is to reduce the calories that you would consume eating a whole tub of ice cream. Most people buy a tub of ice cream, eat the whole tub. And so their initial mission on launch, and they've been, their redesign was brilliant. If you Google them online and look at their old design, and then whoever did the redesign did an amazing job of calling out the key things because they said, look, the key thing is you can eat the whole tub and you Have don't you need to feel guilty. And that's what most people do.
0: How big oh, is a yes. tub? A liter,
1: <laughs> but only if the only if the dairy are free. Uh, uh, yeah, I think they're a liter, like three three hundred ish calories in a whole I, tub.
0: I just visualised you having a relationship break up and getting stuck into the chocolate halo top and finishing a tub.
1: Oh. <laughs> you don't need an excuse to eat a three hundred calorie top of ice cream, Mark. Especially not when it's, you know plant-based. Yeah, no, true. I'm
0: teasing. I'm teasing.
1: I'm I'm so, I'm someone who used to eat Nutri-Grain breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner. So a top of Halo Top is something to me. <laughs> um, but no, as a brand, their brand proposition was really good, and then they've managed to adapt and shift it. Their actual new design, I would argue, is because they've they've done this nice little brand lockup that pulls in plant based instead of vegan. They've called it plant based, um, and I don't think the new design is quite as strong. Like I'll let people make their own decisions on it in terms of flavor profiles and stuff. Um, but compared to say Ben and Jerry's. Ben & Jerry's have almost brought out so many different, they've got some that are dairy free, they've got some that are like Netflix endorsed that actually from a navigation point of view, you know Ben & Jerry's is the brand, but they're quite hard to navigate in terms of picking them out in the supermarket. So like, I mean, they're not my go-to brand, but just in terms of pulling out the the differences, like that when it comes to all of these different, am my paleo, am I keto? Working with the protein guys, because they have products that are keto, they have products that are paleo and they're looking to they have a very baseline product at the moment but they're looking to launch more but even understanding the customer journey of what am i actually looking for how am i shopping it that the more people become aware of i mean would you walk into a store and go i'm looking for a plant based or i'm looking for you know what how you ask for it should be reflected in the choices on shelf and how yeah. we brand it
0: well it's, i think the, the confusion comes when there are so many diets and hybrid diets coming out and people are having various different allergies and all of which seem to be growing it's very difficult i think to try and i guess answer everyone's questions and have all the products available in sort of one foul swoop there's going to be a degree of hunt looking for the retailer that suits your requirements i think um you know lazy shoppers are, are going to struggle i think you've got to go and find foods that suit you and the retailers that suit you too
1: yeah, and that's one of the, that will also be a big and growing trend as well. So convenience is still a big deal for shoppers, and still a big oh, deal. Oh,
0: massively! Well, let's touch on that list. Let's touch on convenience because I know that let's say, for example, certainly the last few months, people have been relying heavily on home deliveries. So the the, the deliverers, the Just Eats, certainly here in the UK, um, people have not. It's not just takeout food. People are getting delivered to home their pre-prepared meals, and some of the meals which you you get you supply the ingredients and you crack on and cook your own foods. Um, so that's that's been hugely, um, I guess, had, had a huge increase in popularity in the last few months.
1: And I think that's really exciting, because I think that's teaching people to cook food or ways to cook food and, and understanding what's in it. So I think at, at the first, earlier on in the pandemic, I bought into a couple of those. I think in the UK, you've got Gusto. And I think here, we, we've got one called, I think it, it's like a health version of it. Um, so ultimately you can select that everything is, you know, dairy free and gluten free and all those kind of things, or made with certain, you know, organic chicken and things like that. So I think there's been a lot more offshoots and I think we'll see a lot more of those kind of companies, but in their niches. Definitely here, like there are definitely so many websites popping up, like we've been researching certain diets. This week, for what we're going to go on to for November, and actually seeing that there's already a platform that you can just, if you're a lazy shopper and you want convenience, you can go to that platform and order all that diet category. You can tick a box, even a Ocado now. So, I ordered my mum some Ocado the other day, and she's dairy free, and I could just tick a box, and therefore, nothing even came on the front page that wasn't dairy free. So, I think the online shopper journey, there'll be a lot more in terms of because we're all, you know, in such a digital world right now, there's a good there's a good point of call to people who can do that user experience. I think brands that can do that well will also win customers.
0: I think the, the online shopping is becoming vast. Um, and it's. I think Ocado have recently announced that waiters have come out of Ocado and set up their own delivery service um, and been replaced by M&S who are now on the Ocado Books, if you like but I I guess what I'm saying is the whole convenience category is only going to get bigger and bigger simply the fact that people can't go out and do their shopping and booking slots are becoming obviously at at the initial lockdown stages a few months back people really struggling to get the get the delivery slots from the retailers Um, but now they've all Tesco Sainsbury's Asda they've all been increasing their numbers of delivery drivers and so these slots are going more and more available
1: but I tell you what I tell you what else, and this is a little bit of a bugbear of mine, is that they're also pricing people out the market. So, like in terms of avocado, so I sometimes order avocado and have it delivered to my mum in the UK as a treat. And actually, they they might have more deliveries, but they've increased their delivery costs. And so they're also starting to. And I understand why there's a certain degree they can. But think about we were talking earlier about we're in a a moment where people are watching their budgets. So you're actually forcing people to go. Look, I'm going to have to go to the store because an eight dollar delivery charge will buy me an extra basket full of groceries and that is how much it was unless you unless you're ordering over 100 pounds worth of food that's how much they wanting to charge you like eight to ten pounds delivery on someone who's so i think to i think there's some work to do in terms of if you are any ocado people that are listening to the podcast i think there's some work to do in terms of don't price people especially single people um older people or you know like don't price them out of the market be inclusive inclusive design and food has got a lot of a way to go kind of don't don't put people in boxes um, and price people out the market we need to be a bit more inclusive with it at
0: least moving moving on to uh because we've got so there's so many trends that we can discuss i think we
1: need to talk about the november challenge because we're all excited about the november challenge (laughs) what are you doing for november
0: (laughs) okay so i think I don't want to labour it too much, but obviously I am a strong believer in consuming meat for performance. So protein intake for me has always been important. Um, and something I've never really done is followed a strict carnivore diet. I've often heard about it. And I a lot of people within my, let's call it bubble, um, people who are, I listen to on podcasts who are sort of athletes and powerlifters and sort of um, I even just... You, you'll probably hear the likes of Joe Rogan sort of talk about the carnivore diet. So this is something that I have chosen. So Lisa and I had a discussion about what, we were, do, what we're going to do and we thought well, we'll do a bit of an experiment. So I'm going to follow a quite a strict diet and I'm going to do it for a month, potentially six weeks, I think, of only eating uh, meat. So my meat intake is obviously going to increase from what it is at the moment. Um, and I will be, I'll probably be doing it in a phased approach so the idea is uh, not to put my body into some form of shock. To, so it's suddenly no longer consuming um, things like coffee, um, sugar on my foods, not sugar, salts on my foods and things which I would normally do a lot of. Um, so I'll be cutting right back to the point where phase one will be um, meats, including eggs and butters and things like that instead of other dairy products. But by the final two weeks final week or so of the experiment my personal experiment it will be just meat and i know that physically i'm going to go through some changes my tummy's going to have to sort of adjust my gut's going to have to adjust to the whole approach um but i'm looking forward to it and again it's a bit like a challenge it's a bit like if i go out and sort of set myself a challenge to go and run a marathon or um lift a particular weight or row a certain distance this is just um a diet challenge um something i haven't really done an awful lot of um so I'm looking forward to it. And Lise, how about you? Because I know that uh, you're looking forward to your little challenge too.
1: I am, but ultimately you've just lost as a few listeners by claiming your um, <laughs> lay on the meat-based world. <laughs> um, so apologies, don't worry everyone. Mark's probably going to be really sick for a couple of weeks and that will make you all feel better <laughs> And the fact that he's um, living purely on meat.
0: Ethically um, sourced so I- meat only, don't worry.
1: I hope so. That's um that's better. That makes me feel a lot better, Mark. Um so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do keto. Um and it's something that I've been looking at doing for a while, purely because of those tubs of Halo Top. Um and actually I started researching it this week a little bit, so I don't eat dairy. It just doesn't do good things for the gut, fact wise, and so I've not eaten dairy for a long time. And so I'm not gonna eat dairy. Um, and I don't eat red meat anyway, so that's relevant. And I also don't eat eggs, which can be a bit of an issue on keto. Um, why Why, why is it.
0: that, Liz? Why don't you eat eggs?
1: I've never eaten eggs. And I've never eaten red meat for um, any time in my life. And it's just more—it's more of a mental thing for me. I can't get my head around eating something in its embryonic form. And I can't get my head around eating... Like beef or pork. I just I can't my, my brain just thinks about the animal So for a long for a long time I was just a pescatarian. And then I started using whoa, the gym. Whoa, whoa, hang on a what's,
0: what's a pescatarian?
1: I said I only eat fish. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Um and but then I started training a lot more at the gym and just realized that I needed to get my protein from somewhere. So then I started eating organic poultry. Um and then when I started doing the autoimmune paleo protocol, you pretty much remove everything from your diet, but you do eat you have to eat poultry or I mean you can eat meat on that but I chose not to um and so that's quite restricted so actually I eat pretty much paleo apart from the halo top anyway and which is di- which is dairy free obviously so actually when I started researching keto and I wanted to do it more for the effects it can have on the brain I do intermittent fasting anyway so I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting I think it, it really helps for me i it doesn't work for everyone, but it helps for me. Like, I'm not a big foodie. So food, I'm a bit like you, Mark, in terms of, like, I enjoy food, but it's just really for fuel. And I'm not someone who gets ravenously hungry. I like the social aspects of food, but I I can quite happily eat healthily and catch up with friends and just have a coffee when they're eating the dessert stuff. Like, it's not it's not a big deal for me. It's not all about the food. It's about the company and the culture and stuff that you're in. It's also quite easy. It's easier to eat healthily in Australia if you choose to, I think. Cause of the outdoor lifestyle and all of those things um so i started introducing protein because i was using the gym more so i'm gonna do keto it is higher in fat and it's also the challenge for me of i grew up in a in an age where it was like your mum was doing the slim fast diet or someone was always doing a low fat diet low fat was uh, it was like it's, in my brain fat is bad but ultimately i know fat isn't bad so it's also to conquer a fear of mine of fat i think
0: yeah is that no, it's, let's just explain something. that so this what you're what you're suggesting is your fear of fat is based upon your if you if you increase your fat intake you as an individual will become a fatter person is that right okay so the fear the fear being more eat more fat you'll get fat
1: yeah and ultimately i have been tiny all of my life um so yeah like there's this huge fear that you go like oh like if you eat fat then that can't be good for you it'll be you know swirling around inside your insides but deep down all the science tells me that actually the sugar and the all of those kind of things are worse for you and you as long as it's healthy fat and it's not cheeseburger probably going to be a good thing so i just but i think until i force myself to do it for this month then and up my fats and lower i don't have a lot of carbs anyway because all of my carbohydrates come from vegetables um and just and literally just I, re, I was researching this week and all i need to do really is swap the halo top for a homemade whole can of coconut milk with some cacao powder in, and that pretty much serves the purpose. <laughs> but a bit, of it, I can't help but look at the back of the can and go, "Oh, there's a lot of fat in that." And so, for me, it's, it's also it's a challenge for me in terms of you need to get over this fear of something because it's not yeah. rational.
0: Well, that's it's a very common um, fear, if you like, and I think it's it's built into many of us there's the idea that. You eat fat, you're going to get fat. Um, and likewise, with, and I've explained before about sodium intake, um, salt. For a lot of people, we've been told of, do not add sugar, uh, do not add salt onto your food because it's bad. Yet those of people who, who are eating for physical performance know that sodium intake is important in order to be able to perform. So there's a balance, and it's trying to understand not only what science says, but also what works for you. Everyone's going to be different. And I think. One thing that I think I'm certainly very keen to do is keep a journal of not only how I'm feeling physically over the next month or so with this new diet, but also how it affects me mentally. Because I know that it it has been reported for many people if they're on a diet, a junk food diet, for example, you have a bit of brain fog. You're not being able to you're not able to think clearly. You wake up in the morning slightly hazy, um, and it's it's reported again that work having a restricted diet on just meat only or um, taking your body into a form of what is ketosis, which I don't understand wholly, if I'm honest, but I'm looking forward to sort of seeing just how I feel within that sort of mental state of ketosis where it does give you that mental alertness, which is is reported to be good. Um, So not long-term, obviously, but just for long enough for us to sort of see if it benefits us and if it's something we can learn from. We may well find, I may well find that my body needs a certain amount of um vegetable intake um and you know a, yeah, a degree of other carbohydrates yeah i don't know
1: how you're going to exist without vegetables. but that's the I've, one thing that I i've i never that done this
0: i don't know i'll find that too I will, i'm intrigued and but i know that it, it will take time and from what i've read from the likes and listened to from joe rogan and mark bell um these are people in america who obviously are strong advocates of um the carnivore diet um I know that it does take some time for your insides to sort of get used to that sort of, that f- food and the swap out of certain nutrients. Um, and even fiber, for example, because you're not consuming all, an awful lot of fiber. So it does mean that, you know, your insides do get a bit messed up for a while. But, you know, we're doing it for a month and it's not it's not like it's for life. So- ah, so that's our challenge, Lee. So what I'd like for us to do then is to, and I'm sure you'll do the same too, is just keep even just a even if it's just a mental note, but just a log every sort of few days about how you're feeling, what, what you're noticing. And it would just be really interesting for then our next podcast to sort of, um, if, if it's not in the midst of our. Um,
1: yeah, I think we could aim to do like a two week check in as to how we're kind of feeling and coping um, in terms of those kind <laughs> I've of. I've broken, I've a okay, carrot. <laughs> I, think, I think it's worth it. I can kind of wave a, a pumpkin at you on the thing or. I like a carrot and go, how much do you want the carrot? Yeah, I know. God, <laughs> imagine
0: that. Oh, God, I've and you
1: can that. just wave the halo top in front of me and I can just cry quietly in the background. <laughs> no, I think it's good. Like, I think we, we're both up for testing and challenging. Um, and I think probably before we finish the podcast, we should talk about any exciting little food trends that we've seen coming up in the wake of a pandemic. I've got a little list of all sorts of bits and pieces that I've seen.
0: I have. See, I like you, Liz. they the same. So we won't labour this point because we've we've touched on so many cool trends that I see are happening. And I'll let you crack on first, Liz, because like you, I've got a very quick list of stuff that I think is exciting. And we, we're just going to, I guess we'll have to come back and discuss where we're at with some of these um, because they're going to change over the coming months. We know that crisis is coming up. So some of these trends might sort of twist and adapt and change out for something else. Um, but no, go for it, Liz. What What are you spotting?
1: I'd also like to challenge anyone who is listening to our podcast who is um, because we don't just have people who are in design world listening to our podcast I definitely know that a really good friend of mine I'm going to give him a shout out now Suki at drinks cubed is listening to this and potentially Gavin as well who also has Titan brands and looks at buying into health brands and stuff like that if you have any of these if you have brands in any of these areas that you think are really pushing forward get in touch um, because we'd love to see them And think about how, like, love to hear from people who are pushing in these spaces. Um, Because I think the first one for me is, at the minute, we're in a case of distribution disruption, which links back to sustainability. But there's a massive rise in local sourcing and direct-to-consumer. A lot of companies like we've just talked about, like the Ocado platform, but actually manufacturers are going straight to consumers themselves. Um, Heinz is one of the big ones that have obviously done it. So I think in terms of local sourcing and local love, that's a really exciting area to watch as to kind of people shopping seasonally and locally. Um, I've got things like the love of low carb and ketos. It's definitely picking up massively here at the moment. Even down to things like um, in terms of to help you with challenges you might have doing low carb is sleep is sometimes an issue when you do keto low carb. So there's a night food ice cream um, that helps. It's got nootropics in it to help your brain function to sleep. So you only have the ice cream before you go to bed. So I think there's really exciting, like fun things that are coming out through that. Um, Protein with no trade-off is all of this lab-grown meat stuff that we're starting to see and hear more about, where it tastes and looks, and even the texture of it is exactly like real meat, but it's not.
0: I've got one to add to that list. Veg jerky is one that sort of I've sort of come across recently. Which is essentially you know you have meat jerky, which is dried meats, dried up meats, but this is a sort of the vegetable version of it, so people consuming their sort of veg jerky uh, and on car journeys and stuff, a bit of a weird one but it's sort of that crossover between people wanting meat style products but without containing the meat
1: oh, I wonder how that might stack up nutritionally because um jerkies are on my list of things you're allowed to snack on on keto um, but often when often when it's put into a a different form other than actual meat it adds carbohydrates to it it's like i've been like i don't eat a lot of i only eat organic poultry but so i would sometimes have jackfruit but i can't have jackfruit on keto because it's got carbohydrates in it more carbohydrates than you would want it to have so all of these things you have to learn about and it's a bit of a faff but um so it actually maybe the keto one is it's harder to eat i mean vegan keto like a friend of i caught up within the week who was vegan keto like i can't imagine where you might start really. Um, so go on have, have
0: you got some more another one is low sugar chocolate is becoming a big trend so i think dark chocolate certainly in, in more recent years is becoming the sort of the chocolate of choice for certainly uh, people in the sports world just because it's seen as obviously lower in sugar content uh, and you also you know like what it's like when you eat chocolate sometimes it's quite moorish dark chocolate you don't quite have that same um taste where you want more um so Cadbury's have obviously now recently started to produce their chocolate with 30% less sugar in their dairy milk products so yeah the big brands are looking to produce their sugar content in their food so that's becoming quite an important one
1: I'm someone who goes against the norm on that so I get that I'm a girl but I'm not a massive chocolate fan um, but I'm definitely, I do have a sweet tooth though. So what I am seeing a lot more is this rethinking sweetness. So like I said to you before, and I've definitely been, I do have a sweet tooth. So I've been researching it for this keto thing. It's monk fruit sweetener. And there's a brand over here in Australia called Le Carco, And they do all sorts of like alternative icing sugar. And it's made with monk fruit. So it has no carbohydrates, it has no sugar in it. But it tastes really sweet. So I think there's some awesome innovations coming through from a, and they, it's plant-based. So it comes from a, a bit like stevia, I suppose, but it's a, there's different chemicals in stevia that can irritate the gut. I'm going into nerd levels now. Whereas monk fruit doesn't say much, or there's no studies on it yet that show that it does. Chris Kresser is someone who's really good. If anyone else is interested in this stuff, Chris Kresser does loads of really good stuff on this. And, and Dr. Eric Berg is someone who does quite a lot on keto as well. There's some great podcasts out there um, if you're into the whole nutrition stuff.
0: I've got another one for you, Liz. Pea milk. I know that's something that you've you've been a big consumer of.
1: Yeah, I, I just I just Mark. <laughs> no, when I worked at Parker Williams, we uh, oh goodness, we branded, launched, positioned the UK's first pea milk, and they've now I've noticed me they've just secured a one million pound investment to keep going and launch across all major supermarkets. They're killing it over there. But yeah, that brief on my desk when I was CD at Parker Williams, um, we've got and obviously it came to me because everyone's like Lisa's into this weird milk milk stuff and um yeah how do you get people to drink pea milk but actually the nutritional statistics of it are fantastic aren't they it's
0: not just only the nutritional; it's also the environmental impact so it has um a a low environmental footprint compared to some of the other things like almond milk and uh, some of the nut milks
1: yeah yeah i know if anyone is interested in pea milk i did i spent like six months of parker williams working there um yeah learning all about it and then how to communicate it into the world but yeah like some of the stuff in terms of it's healthier on your gut healthier on the environment all of these claims and it's high in protein naturally isn't it because it comes from peas it's not good carb it's not good for keto but it's very good for pain (laughs) it's good for everything else
0: i'll add to that though guys i am very much um a strong believer in consuming dairy milk proper milk just because of its nutritional value and again because of my farming background and we've had dairy farmers neighbouring our farms in the past there's no substitute i think for real dairy milk i know a lot of people don't agree with that and some people's bodies don't agree with it simply because they're they're lactose intolerant um but i believe proper milk is the way forward (laughs) Plus, i also i also enjoy other milks i also enjoy nut milks and what have you and coconut milks and other like i love the taste but um in terms of nutritional content um, I don't think you can beat a good glass of full fat milk. I'm,
1: I'm just going to keep, I'm just going <laughs> to keep my mouth shut.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there are so many, there are so many trends. I mean, just to round off, Lise, any, any ones that you've sort of screaming at you still that we haven't touched I on? I think
1: so. Like, I think this whole nootropics thing is interesting for me. And definitely in terms of, I mean, look, night food, ice cream and stuff like that, things that help natural functions in your body. There's a lot around immunity foods um and different products that add in immunity-based things and based on the pandemic and this year I think that's something that's going to be big going forward um in terms of one thing that is quite nice as well there's quite a lot of nostalgia foods or rethinking of nostalgia foods so um one of the things that I can't remember any of the brands that necessarily it pulled out but you know old style lollies that you used to get ice cream lollies or even like lollipops so there's a, they're obviously sweet, so traditionally you wouldn't eat them. But because of all of these new formulas and things, we can rethink old classics. They can still look and feel the old nostalgic type, but you can have them in a healthier way. They, I don't know what you get there. I mean, you have ice cream vans in the UK, but there's been coffee vans come around here. Similar kind of thing to, you know, ice cream vans. Well, here, the thing at the moment is, like, drive around coffee vans. And obviously years ago, like people would go coffee, you couldn't give that to kids and stuff like that, or it's bad for you, but actually because there's oat milk. So I was thinking perhaps if, if you've got an ice cream van in the UK, how about you start formulating the ice cream so it's healthier ice cream? What a great little offer. If anyone in like London, that would kill it down there. So if anyone's not doing that already, like drive around ice cream vans and stuff like that, what's the future for those kind of services and how we rethink nostalgic things in a healthier modern way?
0: I mean, you've touched on something which really gives me the heebie jeebies. Kids on caffeine. No way. (laughs) Keep the kids away from caffeine.
1: Make sure there's none in that um, baby formula. Yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) No, that's definitely what you don't don't want. want You want to fill it with CBD, not caffeine.
1: (laughs) Crack You don't want to mix up nootropics, do you? No. (laughs) I mean, I agree
0: with you, Lise. Nootropics, what did you call them? Nutraceuticals. I find that a subject which is fascinating. So, whilst we're talking about functional foods and what are the benefits and nutritional intake from um, from your foods, how that food benefits you mentally, and I think in a world where now we're sort of being steered by wellness and sort of ensuring that not only is our physical health optimum, but also our mental health, um, what foods gonna help benefit that? So, foods that allow you to uh, become sharper um, in way in, in in thinking, become feel more awake without sort of a high caffeine content, which we you know is never going to be great because you, people get jitters. And it's finding that balance, I think. But functional foods is the big thing, I think. To round it all off for me, in terms of trends, foods are very much functional and consumers now want the foods to offer them something, not trust the feeling of satiation. So you're feeling full, How how is my body going to benefit from consuming that particular food?
1: And I think, yeah, like on the offset of that, like, yeah, food is functional, but it can also be fun it can be healthy fun. And I think that's, I think it's exciting, like the future of where we can all take it. And the more we learn about the gut and the science and everything of it, like some really exciting innovations coming up.
0: Oh, and there are, and I think, you know, as, as FMCG designers or CPG um, brand designers, we enjoy walking around. The, I love it. Going around the shops and seeing, right. What are the, what's new in the aisles today? What are the, what the NPD products are coming out that we can sort of, Oh, wow. That's going kind to of, can see that sort of um, expanding somewhat into that particular category.
1: Even- even from a strategy point of view, it's actually really good working more with strategies that you can kind of get into the front end and you can look to the consumer trends that you and I talk about coming through. And then you can talk to your clients and go, like, right, this is coming through. And I know a company I worked with a year ago and they were developing a protein-based yoga. And now obviously, yeah, protein's important, but they're also now having to shift their formula. It got put on hold because of the pandemic. And actually they're now shifting the formula to reduce sugar and to kind of the fat, so actually the game changed already and there's people who are in the industry because we're into consumer trends and environmental shifts and things we can see how it's changing and hopefully educate the clients and the people that we're working with um, so that they can kind of see ahead of the game um it's like i said i mean the protein guys have been great working with them and seeing the kind of innovations they come through and then you kind of walk and go people care about this and so it's a really exciting space for you know you and i in terms of our own nerding around a supermarket but also what comes from overseas as well, like actually looking overseas has been really beneficial.
0: I think, um, Liz, we could discuss this for a long time. I'm really excited. I've got to go and buy some loads of meat now.
1: <laughs> and I, I've, just bought, I've just bought lupin flour and coconut oil. And then, so I'm probably going to have to just drink the whole jar of coconut oil within the next week just to battle my fear of fat.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had a discussion with the local butcher then uh, bef- uh, the other day about... Um, Okay, I'm going to be in here quite a lot over the next coming weeks. uh, And we're discussing organ meat. So obviously, as Uh, a carnivore, you want to be able to eat from nose to tail. So every single part of the animal. So when you start talking about stomach lining and um, kidneys and livers and, you know, the real fun stuff.
1: When I went autoimmune paleo, the one thing that I forced myself to eat was chicken livers.
0: Oh, lovely, lovely. And I
1: I overcame a big fear. (laughs) So I feel you. Well, that's Some of this stuff
0: cooked correctly is can taste amazing. Um, you know, if it's cooked in the right way, and you know. so w- know, we'll but like, see. We'll just, see. Like, it's
1: just putting your mind over. For me, it was putting my mind over like it's a poor little chicken.
0: Yeah. Like, There's <laughs> two. That <is laughs> like, two. That that <laughs> that's something as someone who's going to be following the carnivore diet, you had to put that stuff to the right to the back of your mind because yes, the animal's welfare is uh, is optimum. Obviously, you want to make sure that's has uh, been key. So. Lise, I've loved this discussion. I really have, the, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it in the next few weeks to see how we both fare within this sort of this little challenge. And who knows, at some point, I might even try the um, keto diet, and you can try the carnival diet. What do you reckon?
1: I think. I think I think we need to get you to do vegan keto.
0: <laughs> well, well, I might I might choose that as an option straight after carnival. I might get sick of eating meat. Who knows? You
1: might do. Although I might um, I might become
0: addicted okay. and say so I never again will I touch a vegetable. They're evil.
1: You never know. Like your butcher might be like your tab Betty place. But he couldn't go into the pub for a pint. I think.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Lisa, thank you very much. Um, I think that's been brilliant and we shall probably touch base in the next couple of weeks to give a, give people an update of how we're feeling and what our tummies are doing to us.
1: <laughs> Sounds um, good.
0: Thanks ever so much, Lise. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks, Mark. Chat soon.